0: But I love this time of year because fall is officially here, which means 87 degrees for us. <laughs> but the humidity is a little bit lower, so it feels like fall. There's a breeze in the air. Uh, but I love this because we're hitting this, our, our stride where there's some cool things that are going on. We have the Bloodhound Barbecue coming up this week, and, and, and it kind of we get into that in Thanksgiving, and there's just a lot of chances to, to serve. And, and truly, our goal is that as a church, we do as much as we can to point to the way that Jesus did ministry, to to reach out to people and and to love on them. And and part of that also is I believe that Jesus came to redeem everything about us. And one of the things that he came to redeem about us is the conversations that we have, uh, the, the way that we communicate with each other, and the way that we kind of understand each other. And that part we've said at the very beginning of this particular series, that part is incredibly difficult because we're wired a certain way. For every one of us, especially if you've been following along with our group study, uh, as you kind of figure out the way that you're wired, you figure out there are some areas where I'm really, really strong and, and I focus on these things. And because of that, I'm wired according to that color. The way that, I'm, the way that I'm built is coloring the way that I communicate. And also I have to figure out because the, the natural go-to for me is to say, because this is the way that I communicate, I think everybody communicates the same way. And and so we discover that because we try to communicate the same way that we're familiar with or that we're comfortable with, when we communicate with someone else who may be wired a little bit differently, it leads to a breakdown and a miscommunication. In fact, the number we heard the first week was that 90% of all disputes, 90% of, of, of all the friction we have in relationships stems back to miscommunication. So throughout this series, we've been trying to look at Uh, A lot of scripture, but especially Ephesians 429 and talk about how do we figure out a way to build other people up to to use wholesome words when it comes to communication and to figure out a way to communicate words, to encourage people, to get people excited, to to want them to, to build them up, to have them want to go the extra mile. And and I think that for most of us, we're wired to want to be able to do that. We just don't know exactly how. So this whole series has been figuring out how people are wired and trying to make sure that me and my big mouth don't get me in trouble. Now, how many of you would admit that at some point in your life, your big mouth has gotten you in trouble? That's most of us. We say, man, because here's what happens. Either we say the, the, the right thing at the wrong time, Or or we say the wrong thing, or we say something we say, I didn't mean to say it that way. Or worse yet, I say the right thing to the wrong person. See, there's a lot of things in our life that we wish we could, almost as soon as the words come out of our mouth, we wish we could walk them back, because it's almost like we, we think before we speak, and depending on your temperament, you might actually do that, but we think before we speak, and it's like as soon as the words are here, we're like, man, I wish I could catch them and put them back. In fact, some of you have found yourself in a situation where you walk up and there's a mom holding her baby. And the baby's so cute. And everyone comes up and say how cute the baby is. And you come up and say, oh, the baby's so cute. And you hazard a guess and say, what's his name? (laughs) There is no one more passive aggressive than a mama bear. When you get that question wrong, you come up and you say, oh, what's his name? And she's like, Well, her name is, and whatever it is, she says it, and there's no way to walk that back. Or some of you have done this way too frequently, but but you're texting, and you think that you're good at multitasking. So you're texting two people at once. Yeah, you know, right away, you're like, oh, I know, I've been there before. And, and so you're texting your wife or your husband, and you're texting your best friend. But for me, I'm texting my wife, and I'm texting, this didn't really happen, but just imagine it did. I'm texting my wife, and I'm texting my best friend, and, and I'm not trying to be suggestive all the texting my wife, but I just gonna kind of say, hey, you know, the kids aren't home tonight. <laughs> and give the little winky face emoji. And your best friend's like, I'm going to use that for the rest of your life. Like... <laughs> There's no way to walk that one back. Or the absolute worst. And man, we make this mistake once. And you never make it again. But you walk up to a lady. And you think, she's pregnant. Yeah, like it's one time. And you're like, I'm not doing that mistake again. Because you know, as soon as you ask a question like, oh, what's the due date? you jumped without a backup parachute like you got one chance to get that right and if you don't get it right there's no way you're saving face you're just like as soon as words come out you're like oh dear God I hope I was right about that one because if not like she feels terrible you feel worse, and you're like, thank you, I'll never see you again. And, and you just walk <laughs> away because there's no way in the world you're going to walk out of that situation by saving face. Me and my big mouth gets us in trouble. In fact, man, once we learn that lesson, there could be a lady going to the hospital like in the pangs of childbirth saying the baby's coming and it's obvious you're saying, I'm not assuming it's yours. <laughs> like like he, he might be talking about your, hey, I, I don't even know, like I'm not going to take that chance. But me and my big mouth, we have a tendency to get us in trouble. It's because we live in this DVR culture where we have these buttons on our remote that look something like this. And the thing is, is that We're used to saying, man, I wish I could just hit the rewind button. And if I could just hit the rewind button and just rewind the conversation 30 seconds, and I could go back and either I communicated the right thing to the wrong person or or what I said I didn't exactly mean, or I shouldn't have said that thing at all. And as soon as I said it, I wish I could hit the rewind button and make all of that better. Because listen... In those situations, sorry doesn't matter. Like, it, it's not enough. You can say you're sorry. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this world where we think if, if, if we speak a word, we think sticks and stones don't really break people's bones. And, and sticks and stones break people's bones, but words don't really hurt them. And they actually do. And we think, well, but I said I'm sorry. Let's just go rewind 30 seconds and pretend that never happened. And the other person says, you you can't do that. Like, if if you physically bumped into me in a way that I got injured and and broke my bone, you could apologize, but I still got to go to the hospital and get that fixed. And so when it comes to the way that we communicate, we wish we had a rewind button. The problem is, we don't. That button doesn't exist. And because we don't have the rewind button, the only recourse we have, the only tool we have in our tool is to hit this button, hit the pause button, and say, wait a minute, before I start to communicate something, let me make sure that what I communicate is living out this passage that we've looked at throughout this series in Ephesians 4.29 that says, don't let unwholesome communication come out of your mouth, but use your words to build each other up. Like our words are infinitely, infinitely more important than we give them credit for. And so I want to talk this morning about how do I make sure that me and my big mouth don't get in the way, that I don't mess this thing up. And so to do that, I want to look at a passage we looked at earlier in this series. But if you have your Bibles, open up to James chapter 3. And we're going to look at a little bit lengthier passage. But before we do that, I want to pull this up. And I know some people are going to be familiar with this right away. I had to get a, a debrief on how this worked this morning. But who knows what this is? Anybody a bridle bridle and the reins and and but I really want to focus on is the bit because when it comes to a horse a, a, a thousand or even more than a thousand pound horse when they put the the bit in the horse's mouth which might only weigh even sometimes less than less than a pound that bit even though it's small compared to this giant horse controls the entire horse so that if, if, if I'm a horseback, and I never have been, obviously, uh, but, it, but if I'm on a horse and I hold on to these reins, I can control the horse because of this small bit that's in the horse's mouth. Well, James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, has this teaching on the power of our tongue and he uses the bit as, as one of two examples of how something that's really, really small Guides something that is really, really large. James chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 2. And it says this. For we all stumble in many ways. That's true of all of us. We get that. That isn't like, that. that's not earth shattering to us. We get that. But then it says this. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things." So here James, who's a half-brother of Jesus, is writing to the early church that's in a city that's in Jerusalem. And he's writing. He's saying, listen, if, if you want to figure out how to really do life well, like if, if you want to do it as best you can, the word perfect there means blameless, to, to do things right. He says, if you want to do things really, really right, learn how to control your tongue because your tongue, your tongue is incredibly powerful. And he says, here's how powerful the tongue is. The tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. Or a rudder on a ship. That both of those things, though, that, though they're really, really small compared to the much bigger vessel, they control the direction that that vessel is going. The bit controls the horse. The rudder controls the boat. And he says, if you want to do life right, if you really want to live out in a way that if Jesus redeemed everything about our life, it included the idea that he redeemed our words And he says, so if you really want to be upright, if you really want to be blameless about the way that you do life, make sure you control your tongue. And we continue in verse 5 there where it says, how great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And it says, literally set on fire by hell. For every kind of burst and a beat of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Like we read this, and the more I read, the more depressed I get. But I think James is trying to communicate something to us. He's saying, I want you to get this, how powerful your tongue is that the adage we talk about that names are never going to hurt or words are never going to hurt, they they actually do. And we never know. We have seen families fractured. We've seen families that, man, we used to enjoy going together and getting together at the holidays and enjoying that season. And now because someone said something at a barbecue at some point, it started off small it didn't seem like a big deal, but the more that tension started to, to spread, the more they started to, to realize that man, something small became something really, really big, and the small fire was set ablaze. And we've seen relationships fragmented. We've seen marriages destroyed over something that seemed fairly minor. a word, a sarcastic response. It seemed like it wasn't a big a deal. But James is writing saying, listen, the way that we speak it's a huge deal. He says make sure that you get this right. Make sure the way that you communicate resembles the redemption that you have in your life. Continuing on, it says this. Verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers. These things ought not to be so. This is what we talked about in week one of this series. Then it says this, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. He says, listen, God has redeemed the way that you communicate in order that you can use your tongue to do powerful things. And if you're going to use your tongue to do things like I love One of my favorite things all week long is to gather together when when our band strikes up the first note and we get into worship and we're enjoying experiencing the presence of God. I love that because literally God is using our voices, some incredibly talented, others like mine, not talented at all. But he says, I don't hear those things. I hear the cry of your heart. And because of that, the way that you speak, the words that you say are producing something beautiful. But how can something so beautiful also produce something that tears people down? He says that ought not to be so. He says it shouldn't come out of the same spring, both salt water and fresh water. And so the way we communicate, James is saying, has tremendous value. I want us to get this. Words create worlds. Everybody say that with me. Words create. Create worlds. Here's what I mean by that. If we go back to the creation account, we read that God literally spoke creation into existence. Now, you and I don't have that power. I can't speak something into existence. But my words have and leave an incredible impression upon people around them. And so do yours. We each have people that we are helping speak into their world. I don't have the power that, that God has to speak worlds into existence. But I know that for some people, in particular my children, my words have incredible bearing on their world. See, I heard this story uh, recently. There's a pastor in Atlanta. His name is Andy Stanley. And a lot of you know Andy Stanley. For, he's a pastor of a huge church. He's a big deal. Uh, for my money, he's the best communicator of our generation. But Andy Stanley was sharing a message on the power of our words. And he talked about how not every word has the same value. And we understand that because if someone comes up to us and they pass a compliment, it feels really, really good, but it doesn't last for very long. But if someone is critical of us, especially if they're not constructively critical of us, and some of you know this, those words can linger in your memory for years. You could get five compliments today, or you could be at work this week and get five compliments and then someone comes up to you and says, you know that's not what they really think about you because here's what I've heard. And they say that, you know, it's only one person, but that's the one person that you choose to listen to. (coughs) Words aren't always equal and neither is the messenger. He shared this story. There was a Uh, a young lady at his church who had done something really remarkable. And he came up there and he says, hey, that was a great job. I just want to let you know that I'm proud of you. Now, this is Andy Stanley. In the church world, he's a huge deal. The girl looked at him and said this. The young lady looked at him and said this. Thanks, but I wish my dad had said that. And As soon as you hear that, you're like, man, that, that strikes me in my heart because I think about... Was there a chance for me to say something to someone who, who my words was their world, and I didn't get a chance to say those things? Words create worlds. And so we use our words either to build people up or to tear people down. There's little middle ground in that. So real quick, as we look at James chapter 3, and it talks about the power of our tongue and how a small fire can be created by something that we say, I want to give you just a couple of practical insights as we walk away from this. How can I make sure that me and my big mouth don't continue to get me in trouble? Uh, So if you're a note-take, you want to write down these four things real quick. Four ways I can stop my big mouth uh, from hurting me. Some of y'all should really be taking notes. I'm just saying that. (laughs) Wow. Four ways I can stop my big mouth from hurting me. I'm just kidding. Number one, don't trust my gut when it comes to communication. Don't trust my gut when it comes to communication. Because here's what we have a tendency to do, and I talked about this early on in the message, but I have a tendency to say, hey, I know how people think. I know how people are wired. I have been married to my wife for 20 years. I know kind of what, how she... Listen, when y'all first got married, she thought it was cute. <laughs> she doesn't think that's cute anymore. She's like, I, <laughs> I, want you, I want you to understand that, that there are some things in my life that, that I need you to be building me up. And, and, and those things that I kind of just I, I dealt with earlier because I thought they're cute. I, right now, I need something in my life that's something that's more. And we have a tendency to just kind of gravitate towards uh, communication that's comfortable. And, well, this is just the way I communicate. And, and there's a lack of humility in that. There's a, there's, there's, there's pride, there's a stubbornness of saying, this is who I am. If people don't like it, they're just going to have to deal with it. If we learn this one crucial thing that we've been talking about for the last <laughs> few weeks. If we learn that people are wired differently and, and we have to study them and figure out. Man, what do I need to do to build them up? What do I need to do to discipline them? Having this conversation doesn't mean you don't have the hard talks. We'll get into that in a second. But how does my communication and, and the way that I communicate color the way that they're wired? And I can't just trust my gut that when it comes down to it, I'm going to say the right thing. Because if you're here last week, I'm that sanguine personality who can sometimes say things without thinking. And so I have to back up and say, okay, let me me figure out the way the person that I'm talking to is wired. And if I'm really going to live out Ephesians 4.29, which is the second part of this, uh, if I'm really going to live that out, it requires me not just to trust my gut, but to figure out a better way for me to communicate with people that I'm talking to. Number two is that one that I just mentioned. Number one, don't trust my gut when it comes to communication. Number two, live out the Ephesians 4.29 principle. Part of both of those, there's this verse over earlier in James where it says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The idea is that we have two ears and we have one mouth. And so I should be quick to listen. I should be quick to understand the other person and study them and figure out what makes them tick and what gets them excited. And and, and, and then I need to figure out a way to communicate that effectively to them by doing that, I lean back on Ephesians 4.29 and say, I want to make sure that I get this right. I want to make sure that there's not unwholesome conversation coming out of my mouth. But instead, I'm using the words of my mouth to make people whole. That literally, my words create worlds. And because of that, my word has value. Live out that Ephesians 4.29 principle. Learn that if you're a yellow temperament that... The way you communicate to red is going to be vastly different. The way you can communicate to green is even more different. And you have to figure that out and and figure out their temperament and and try to communicate in a way that's going to help build them up. Number three is this. When I must have hard talks, I do it right. I don't want us to shy away from those difficult conversations because sometimes, sometimes avoiding conflict... is more dangerous than doing conflict wrong. And uh, that's coming from a person because of my temperament. I want people to be happy. I want to be jovial. I don't want to have those hard conversations. And sometimes we push those things under the rug, hoping that they just go away. That's not healthy either. But when we have those hard conversations, make sure that you do it right. Make sure if... I heard about a business fairly recently in the last couple of months that if they get a complaint at their business... Especially if they get a complaint about one particular customer. Maybe they get an email that says, hey, I don't like the job this person did. They're really rude. The business requirement is you never handle the response to that person via email or text message. That it's always either a phone call or better yet, if it's possible to have a face-to-face conversation. You see, it's really easy when we have those, those times of conflict because not a lot of us like conflict. There are a few. How many don't like conflict? How many love conflict? There's always a couple. <laughs> now, here's the thing. By and large, if you don't like conflict, you shy away from it. If you love conflict, sometimes it means because you, you barge in and you don't necessarily do it right. And so the challenge is, if, if, if we want to avoid conflict that's unhealthy, if we rush the to conflict too quickly, it's because we're not trying to do it right. There has to be this balance. And if there's going to be conflict, if I do it via email, there's a good chance. If there's already conflict there, there's a good chance that that conflict's only going to be furthered. Because when I send out an email, it can come across as, as hasty. It can come across as rude. There's, you can't read the person's body language. You can't read their gestures. You can't look them in their eyes and see what the heart is trying to communicate. And so we put up a wall. And we try to communicate via, via email or, or via text message. And we wonder why there's a miscommunication. If there's something wrong, if there's conflict, we don't handle it via text message or email. We don't do our breakups via text message. That doesn't work. Instead, we say, man, if there's conflict, I want to come in and say, we might not ever agree upon this, but I want to make sure our hearts are in tune and that we respect each other. We want to make sure that we do it right. If, we're try- if there has to be these, these conversations that are, are difficult talks, we want to make sure that we do those right. That we're not just responding out of anger, but that there's thought that comes into it. I might still as, or you might still as a, as, as a business owner, as, as a boss, as a manager, you might still have to have difficult conversations. You might still have to fire the person but even as you fire the person, the goal is not to say, hey, I hope you do terrible from here on. It's to say, hey, even as I'm letting you go because this is no longer a good fit, I still want to give you the tools and the abilities to move on here and to be a better employer down the, a better employee down the line. When we have those hard talks of saying, it doesn't mean we have to agree upon this, but we have to respect each other and we have to do this thing right. See, most of the time. When me and my big mouth gets me in trouble, it's because we get angry, we get mad, and the throes of that anger, we say something we don't necessarily mean, and a week or a month now, we regret that, but by that point, we've moved on, and we say, I don't really care what they think any longer. Jesus redeemed our words. Speak what is helpful, not hurtful. Even if it means in that difficult conversation, you speak that which is helpful, not hurtful. The final one is this, and this is really important. Understand where my words come from. Something small, like a bit or a rudder, controls the ship. But something even more powerful controls our mouth. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is speaking. He says this either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brought a vipers. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me go back and reread that. For out of the abundance of the what? The heart. What speaks? The mouth. In other words, when, when we speak some things especially when we speak things that we don't know where it came from, we're in the midst of a discussion, maybe even we're in the midst of a fight, and all of a sudden we say something that, we, that we, don't, we didn't necessarily intend to make that statement in this particular context. What has happened is not that we haven't thought those things often. It isn't that we haven't thought those things. It's that prior to this, I had a filter in my life. My heart has already been there. My heart has already thought these things. Even if I haven't consciously been dealing with that, my heart has already been there. And now I'm in the midst of a fight, and all of a sudden something comes out. And I've heard people use the analogy before of taking a tube of toothpaste. And once that is squeezed and the toothpaste comes out, there's no way you're getting the toothpaste back up in the tube. What happens is we're in the midst of this fight, we're in the midst of uh, having a customer or having that spouse that we're not getting along with, and all of a sudden something comes out that wasn't intended to come out. The problem was is that our heart was already focused on that. Our heart was already there. It just is we'd had a filter that stopped that up until that point. And now that I got my blood boiling, that filter was removed and something hurtful came out. And it came out because, man, my heart has been there for some time. The words we speak, the meditations of our heart be pleasing to God. If, If there's a conflict with our communication, it's probably happened a long time ago when our heart started to shift away from the mornings of where it's supposed to be to a place where it shouldn't be. And Jesus speaking, saying, listen, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and the mouth controls the entire body. So the things that we're focused on, the things that we're allowing into our life, are eventually coming out, and they're controlling the path of our life. And this is why Ephesians 4.29 is so important. It's why the words that we say have so much power that literally our words create worlds. Today we're wrapping up the series here at church, but we're going to continue on this. For those who are new, every fall we do a study in church. We're also doing it in our groups and people's homes. Uh, so it's going to be continuing on for some time. And our goal is that through that, we understand the power of our words, the way that we communicate better with each other, and that we can begin to try to build people up to encourage people Uh, To love people and to let them know this is how much, this is what Jesus thinks of you. This is how much Jesus thinks of you. Let me communicate the way that he communicates. Let's pray together. Man, God, I thank you for uh, just the picture of redemption. That Jesus would come into this world as broken as it was and as difficult as it was. That Jesus would come into this world to die for us to die to set us free. We sang songs this, this morning about when the Son sets us free, we are truly free. We're free indeed. God, He came to bring us freedom to the way that we live life. He came to bring us freedom that we could live eternally with the Father. But He also came to free up our speech. And God, that's so important. And if there's a person here this morning that is battling with, they've never uh, come to realize the grace that Jesus has shown them, that he's died to give them that freedom. I pray that today would be the day they'd recognize the sacrifice that he paid. <coughs> but God, for others who, man, we, we've, we've been purchased because of what Jesus did. And yet our words still haunt us, or our words still fail us. We find ourselves maybe repeating bad habits of the past. Maybe the way we are treated when we were younger is reflected in the way that we treat other people now. There have been past hurts that block us off from having deep and meaningful relationships. God, I pray whatever those, those past events are that haunt us and, and weigh us down, God, that you would allow us in this moment right now to go back to those moments and, and have a season of our life of, of forgiveness, to have healing from all of those past pains, those past hurts. That, God, our past doesn't have to define us. And that, God, we would begin to use our words to build people up instead of tear people down. And that, God, it's through words that we ultimately can speak the truth of who Jesus is and how much he loves them. But, God, we can only do that if our words are consistent with our actions. God, do that in us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.